Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. We're continuing a series that was started last week um, on two paths. There's my question for you to start. Have you ever been in a situation where you went along with the crowd? Okay. Um, could have been like all the way back in like school for those of you out of school. Could have been, you know, you, you, you maybe were with the crowd and the crowd got you to do something you wouldn't normally do. Crowds have that ability to get people to do things they wouldn't otherwise do. There are people who have done things they would have never done if they were by themselves. So if you've gone along with the crowd and done some things that you shouldn't have done, did you ever end up in trouble? Have you ever been talked into doing something? It didn't have to be bad. Maybe it was just something simple like going to a movie that you really didn't want to go see, but you're like, oh, wow, I just wasted that $15. The popcorn was good, but beyond that, you know. Or maybe a restaurant that you really didn't want to go to. Okay. Um, Yes. Angel asked me last night, do you want to go to Cece's Pizza for lunch tomorrow? That seems like a terrible life choice. I mean, I don't like pizza to start with, right? So, and then, well, all right, I have standards about pizza. Let's, okay. I grew up in New Jersey. Pizza's really good. It's for the boys. It's, it's for Geo. Yeah, and the next words are, they have good cinnamon rolls. Like, that's good for me. I mean, right? I mean, come on. All right, so, so, so think about this. Okay, I don't know. They might have a salad bar. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so look, a group of researchers, like with MIT and all that, they found something that we, as human beings, cannot control some, for some reason. Our brains. Interesting. Okay, now I'm just reading what they, what they wrote. Although humans exhibit strong preferences for equity and moral prohibitions against harm in many contexts, people's priorities change when there is an us and a them. Sporting events are good examples of that, right? A group of people will engage in actions that are contrary to the private moral standards of each individual in that group sweeping otherwise decent individuals into mobs that commit looting, vandalism, and even physical brutality. All right, it's easy, right? I mean, there's an easy, easy, quick one, sporting events. And, and part of this, the researcher that, that wrote part of this article, they started out 
kind of the, the starting, the genesis of the article and the research came from this. Her husband went to a Yankees baseball game. Problem is, they're Red Sox fans, and they wore their Red Sox stuff in Yankee Stadium. Again, maybe not the wisest decision, but they did it. And she said, I was called things I never <laughs> had heard before. Because people in a group will do things that they otherwise wouldn't do. Look, some decisions are big. Some decisions are small, like going to CC's today. It's not really that big of a deal to me. I mean, I'll, I'll live through it. Or I'll eat when I get home. But we've been looking at two paths, a comparison of two possible choices. Last week, we looked at Mary's anointing of Jesus, and she had a, a choice to use a perfume uh, for Jesus' anointing or for herself or her family. But today we're going to look at a decision that Jesus faced as he entered Jerusalem on what we now call Palm Sunday. So many decisions involve multiple choices. So often there's a good decision and a bad decision. One of the lessons we can learn from this passage of Scripture, from Jesus today, is don't let the crowd push you down the wrong path. Don't let the crowd push you down the wrong path. Uh, let's look at the sit setting of the scripture that we're about to read. Uh, before we read this, and, and leading into this, we, we kind of can recount that this is what's happened. Within, within a week of what we're about to read, leading or so leading up to this, we, we hear and we see that, that Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. Uh, Jesus was anointed by Mary at a dinner in Jesus' honor, and the religious leaders want to kill both Jesus and Lazarus. And so we look at John chapter 12, verse 12, and it says this. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors, and we're just going to stop there for just a moment. I know it's not the end of a sentence, it's the end of a verse, but look, news about Jesus traveled quickly. It's amazing, isn't it? Word can travel so fast. People hear about something and, and, and the news travels. And it can be good news, bad news, whatever, but news can travel quickly. One of the best ways to get information to people is person to person. I mean, this is before cell phones, this is before social media, and there is a large crowd that gathers because they hear Jesus is coming that direction. He's headed toward the city. The people are talking about what Jesus had done. I mean, the key miracle was definitely Lazarus being raised from the dead, right? Like, Jesus had done that kind of stuff before, right? He'd, he'd, he'd brought people back to life, but, but he always kind of excused them off. But, but now, people knew Lazarus was a dead man. He was in there for a while. People were talking about it everywhere. And when people heard Jesus was coming, a large crowd gathered. And it just wasn't a large crowd. This was a larger than normal crowd because of what was going on. The crowd was massive. 
there were people everywhere. I mean, can you picture the scene? I know it's weird, right? But could you picture the scene if we, we were to imagine Topeka as Jerusalem in the day? There'd be people sleeping on the hillsides around us. I know not a lot of hillsides, but, but when you look and if there were hillsides around us, you, you would see people just sleeping everywhere. People had made the journey, the pilgrimage to, to Jerusalem and, and they're camped out there. The, the, the population swells from probably 50,000 people to 100, 120,000 people and some estimate even as many as a million, have come to Jerusalem for this moment, for Passover. They, they made this pilgrimage often. They, they came to, to celebrate, to, to remember what God had done in bringing them out of Egypt. And, and they get there, and, and they're there, and they're hearing this Jesus, like something is different about this Passover. This is not going to be the same. It's like they've been doing this for hundreds of years. They've been making that pilgrimage to, to Jerusalem, but all of a sudden, there's this excitement that this Passover could be different. Something crazy could happen. And they think it's around this guy, Jesus. And, and the, 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 the groundswell, the, 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 the popularity of Jesus is at all-time high. I mean, he'd been there for two other Passovers, but now he's there again. And here, it, they, they think there's something different about this Passover. People of first century Palestine did not understand Jesus. Just like many people in our day still don't understand Jesus. So we'll keep reading. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at the time this, that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had been written and realized that these things had been written about him. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Then the Pharisees said to each other, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. Now, when you, when you picture this scene, you picture what's going on, and you start to realize that, 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 that the people of Jerusalem and the pilgrims, those who have come for Passover and the celebration, great excitement and as they do and as they start to gather they begin to grab the palm branches and we read about it there we we read that they took palm branches and well you know i mean what, palm branches what did it mean it what, was it just oh they wanted to fan him or what i mean no palm branches they understood what they were doing they they understood there was the palms were a symbol of Jewish nationalism. They, they, were, they were doing this because they, they were expecting something. Look, when the temple was rededicated during the Maccabean era, palm branches and palms were used in the celebration. An extra-biblical tradition, the, the palms were used by Levi as a symbol of ruling power. Look, during both major wars with Rome, reliefs of palms were stamped on the coins minted by the rebels. This act 
of celebration is by no means neutral. It symbolizes Israel's hopes now found on Jesus being hailed as he enters the city. They, they believe he is going to set them free. See, they, they, they shouted and they, they celebrated. Look, this was what they were picturing was a triumphal entry of a new king. And triumphal entries were common in the ancient world. A conquering hero or a king would return to his city, bringing the spoils of battle and stories of conquest. Look, it wouldn't have been missed by the population at the time. They knew what they were doing. They knew that they were trying to celebrate the king that was coming. And when John says that the crowd went out to meet him, it's a common expression used for cities meeting their triumphant returning king. Look, I wasn't alive for this, but I've seen the pictures, I've seen the video. The greatest celebration of, I don't know, the last hundred years, it's probably World War II. When World War II, when, when there was victory, there, there was celebration. There was celebration in Paris as, as U.S. forces and U.S. military walked down the Champs-Élysées through the Arc de Triomphe. They, they, there were planes, U.S. warplanes flying overhead. There were parades in places like New York City that were out of this world. I've never seen anything like it. Because they were celebrating an amazing victory. It, it was that way. As, as they were welcoming Jesus into the city, they're looking and believing, this guy is going to rescue us. We are going to experience freedom. Just not the way they thought. The cry of Hosanna, it's an Aramaic phrase, meaning save us now. Hosanna. As he comes into the city with the palm branches, look, hail to the king. Here it is. Save us now. The words that came as well. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's a quote from Psalm 118. It announces a blessing on the pilgrim arriving in Jerusalem. But what comes next is Hail to the king of Israel. It's not in the psalm. It departs from its intent. Suddenly we understand that the crowds are greeting their national liberator. The people believe Jesus is going to be king of Israel and bring liberation from Rome. Again, don't let the crowds push you down the wrong path. The king didn't become king because the people wanted him to. But there's many times in our lives where we can settle for something less than what God wants. But it's not a good idea. Look, I may settle today 
There's something less than what I really want for Lauren. Not that big a deal. But do not settle for less than what God wants for your life. Jesus was called king. And he was. Just not how they expected. The other thing we can see here is crowds can be fickle. Right? Well, just a couple weeks ago, K-State fans wanted Bruce Weber fired. They probably still do. He loses a game next year. They're like, fire him. And, you know, you got him a place they ain't been for a while. I mean, K-State's never made it to the Final Four in my lifetime. I'm just saying. I thought there was a chance. Fire him. If they had made it to the Final Four, I would have wore a K-State shirt. I have one. Never been worn. The same crowd that's chanting Hosanna, hail to the King of Israel, within seven days, and it's less than that, will be chanting, crucify him, crucify him. Sunday, they want him to be king. By Thursday, they don't want him fired. They want him dead. I know sports fans are bad, but they're not that bad. They just want him fired. Well, Jesus could have settled for being king. But he was destined to be the king of kings. The path that God wants you to take often doesn't look like the path you want to take. How many of you would be like me? The crowds are chanting, Hail, King of Israel. Be like, yup, I am the new king. Thank you very much. Thanks for, you, you know, you'd be like, how could we resist? How, how could Jesus resist the temptation of, 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 of bypassing the plan of God because the crowds were pushing him to the wrong path? How many of us would have had the strength to walk the right path when all the crowds were saying, you should be king. Don't let the crowds push you down the wrong path. Jesus knew the path he was about to take would not be easy. Multiple times we see him dealing with the pressure of the moment and the reality that it was, he was facing death. We, we go on and read in John chapter 12, verse 20. Some Greeks had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration. They paid a visit to Philip who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it. And they went together to ask Jesus. Jesus replied, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. 
I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour. But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Jesus tells the people gathered, he is going to die. And in the middle of telling them, he gives them instructions for how to live their lives. If you love your life, you will lose it. If you care nothing for your life, you will keep it. it. It doesn't mean live crazy. It doesn't mean, you know, jump at airplanes and, you know, without parachutes. If you're going to go through that. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean live crazy. What it means is live your life for the benefit of others. I know we've got to care for ourselves. I get that. Jesus did. He, he got away with, by himself to pray. He did lots of things to care for himself. But it wasn't for himself that he cared. It was for the benefit of others that he cared. He, he did the things he did because he cared about other people. It's the same pattern that he's asking us to live. It, it's, it is like Paul's statement in Galatians 2.20. This is my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When you look at that, when you, when you look at Jesus' life, he, he gives his life for us. He gave his life for you and I. He gave his life so that we could experience freedom, so that we could have hope, that we could have life, we could have eternal life he gave his life for us we are to live our lives for christ with christ living in us we are called to serve serve others love others give our lives for others jesus said anyone who wants to serve him who wants to serve jesus must follow him and following him means prioritizing other other people's lives and to add to that, Jesus said, the Father would honor anyone that serves Jesus. And we see Jesus' entire purpose for living. It was to bring glory to the Father. And he tells everyone that can hear, his goal was to bring glory to the Father. Go on in verse 28. Then a voice spoke from heaven saying, I have already brought glory to my name and I will do so again. When the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder while others declared an angel had spoken to him. Then Jesus told them, the voice was for your benefit, not mine. The time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. And when I am lifted up in the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. Now, can you imagine being there? 
as Jesus talks about it, as he says, look, Father, bring glory to your name. How many times have you wanted God to speak audibly in moments where you're trying to get people's attention? I mean, Jesus is like, Father, bring glory to your name. And God the Father answers audibly. Okay, three times, I think, is all of Jesus' life that that happens, right? It happens at his baptism. It happens on the Mount of Transfiguration. It happens right here. And so you see that and you go, wow, that's pretty cool. I mean, there's times that I would like for the message that I'm speaking, whether to one of my children, to somebody, whatever, that they would hear a booming voice from heaven say, it would be cool effect. The voice from heaven speaks. And we know it's God the Father because it says, I've already brought glory to my name and I will do so again. And then Jesus tells the people gathered who hear it, who cannot understand, who don't grasp what's going on, that voice was for your benefit. And they still don't understand. And they still don't get it. Even his disciples struggled, right? I mean, even the disciples struggled with, with what was going on. The people don't understand. They still want him to be king. Don't let the crowd push you down the wrong path. And as we heard earlier, let the Father be glorified. In everything we do, in everything we are, Jesus gives us this pattern that he lived his life to bring glory to the Father. That's that his sole purpose. And his sole purpose was to bring glory to the Father. And in doing so, he did exactly what the Father told him to do, including going to the cross, including allowing himself to be crucified. And I don't know where you're at. But there are probably people in this room today who need to understand that people were crying for Jesus to save them. And they thought there was one way for that to happen. But Jesus knew it was this way. Jesus knew it wasn't ascended to a throne today. It was go to a cross come Friday. He understood that by dying on the cross, he was going to save them. If he goes to the throne today, he was not going to save them. But by going to the cross, he saves them. He saves us. He saves us. And we know he's the king of kings now. So often, the, the allure of today will get us to compromise our tomorrow. And that's exactly what Jesus avoids. He says, I am not going to let the crowd push me down the wrong path. And the same thing for us today. We can't let the crowd push us down the wrong path. We've got to live our lives in ways that we bring glory to the Father. The first place that starts is by acknowledging Him as Savior.
like starting that moment, starting that place where we acknowledge Jesus as the Savior. We would cry the same thing. We would cry, Hosanna, save me now. Like that, that's the starting point, right? I mean, that's, that's the starting place. They, they didn't understand it. Now we know it's all about Jesus and the cross. And as we cry, save me now, he does. He forgives you of your sin. He forgives you of the wrong you've done. He wipes it clean. That's what he does. And so, this morning, the first question for every person in this room is, do you know Jesus? Have you cried out to him, Hosanna, save me now? If you haven't, today is the day. Today is the beginning point. This is the moment you should start that. You, you should say, Jesus, save me now. And for everybody in the room, don't let the crowd push you down the wrong path. The right path is to live your life for the glory of the Father, not for the praise of men. So serve Jesus, and you will bring glory to the Father. You will bring glory to God. You might not save the world, but you'll help some understand Jesus' ability to save. There's so much more in that. That what Jesus is able to do in that moment, in that week, in his lifetime, and because he didn't let the crowd push him down the wrong path, your impossible now becomes possible. Your sin was an impossibility. There was no hope. But through Christ, there is hope. Through Christ, you, you can experience salvation. Through Christ, you can experience forgiveness. Look, impossible becomes possible because Jesus goes to the cross and he rises from the dead, which we're going to celebrate next week. But when you look at that, you recognize Jesus is something in that moment that no one else could do. And it changes everything for you and I. And I don't want to over-spiritualize it. But truth be told, there's some things in this life, there's some things in this world, that if you let the crowd push you down the wrong path, there's some things of eternal value that are not going to happen because you're not on the path that God has designed you to walk. God is looking for people who will live their lives to bring glory to the Father. You might be the only one who can do what He's calling you to do in specific situations and circumstances. He needs you to live your life to bring glory to the Father. All of humanity doesn't rely on it because I know me. 
but I want to do the best I can to live my life that way. Let's pray. Lord, thank you this morning. Thank you, God, for this time of year when we celebrate salvation coming to us. When we see the culmination of your plan, thousands of years in our time schedule, your plan lived out and fulfilled. Lord, we are so grateful for that. We are so thankful for Jesus' life his death and his resurrection. And Lord, this morning, I pray for anybody in this room that's never made a decision to follow you, who maybe isn't currently following you, but God, today would be the day they would say, Lord, save me now. I pray that you would speak into lives today from the youngest to oldest in this room. God, that every person in the sound of my voice would, would recognize you as Savior. every one of us would walk out of here and we'd be on a journey with you to live our lives to bring glory to the Father and our lives would be lives lived in submission and service and sacrifice to the King we'd follow you and honor you in Jesus name Amen would you stand this morning the team is going to lead us one final song and if you're here this morning and you've never made a decision or, or maybe currently not living for Jesus, I'm going to encourage you there's going to be prayer teams that are going to come to the front, come and pray with one of them just, just walk up to them, they, they will be very kind, they're nice loving people and just say I want to follow Jesus would you help me pray that and they will they'll walk you through it, they'll talk you through it if you need prayer for any other reason, the prayer teams would love to pray with you. Prayer for healing. Look, if you walked in here and you have, you have sickness, your impossibility is a possibility because of who Jesus is. I just believe God wants to do some great stuff 